0: Last, one of the last songs that we sing, Mighty to Save, author of our salvation. Do you believe that Jesus is mighty to save? You can answer that. Do you believe that He is mighty to save? Let me ask that again. Do you believe that He is mighty to save? Do you believe that He is mighty to save? Yes, He is. Then we ought to live like He's mighty to save. Today, we're going to partake of communion. And what I would like to do is just talk about what communion is about. What the Lord's Supper, the intent of our Lord Jesus, what His intent about the Lord's Supper was. And so we're going to sort of go through a time of, go down what I call memory lane in the Bible. Memory can be a most precious possession, can't it? It can be positive, it can be negative. Sometimes memories are not so pleasant, are they? Particularly this is so if our memories are pleasant, but not if they're negative. You know, we erect monuments to preserve memory. We take photographs to preserve memory. Artists paint pictures to preserve memory. Authors write books to preserve memory, and to preserve history. Every now and then I like to, to peruse through old photo albums and or maybe even recent photo albums that we're building up uh, in our family and, and to peruse through those photo albums and to recount things that happened or, uh, memories. Recently, uh, on, uh, uh, President's Day weekend, I went home to visit with my dad and, and, uh, we recounted a lot of memories as we sat out on the back, uh, driveway and, and, uh, it was a beautiful day. It was nice weather and we just talked. And, uh, and I spent some time uh, upstairs, uh, my dad lives down in the basement, I was upstairs, and, and I was looking through some old photo albums and recounting memories and, and seeing my grandfather when he was a much younger uh, younger man and, and how they had uh, uh, taken this old uh, van and had converted it into a camper where they would take it, him and my grandmother would go to Myrtle Beach and go fishing for days on end. And they had several families that would do this. And I'd see pictures of my dad and my grandfather who were really good fishermen with big stringers of fish. And, and I love fishing. And, and I'd recount all that and remember those things. Sometimes memories are good. And sometimes they aren't so good, are they? Our Lord was eager that his disciples remember him in a proper manner. He knew that memories could serve as the motivating force of faith and faithfulness. How do you remember Jesus? How do you remember Jesus? What do you think of when we have communion or when we we think about the life of Christ? What do you think of? And there are many beautiful memories that can bless the heart. We should remember, first of all, I believe that Jesus, remember him as a teacher. And in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, we see this most beautiful of memories uh, that we can have of Christ as he is seated on the, the mountainside and, and in this midst of his followers and, uh, and, and people that were following him for, for miles. And, and they came from all around, thousands of people. And imagine Jesus sitting on this mount. And He just begins to open His mouth and He unfolds the Word of God and, and uh, he, he, he takes the laws of God and He fulfills them. Not only in his, his, his words, but even in His very presence. He fulfills the Word of God as He's sitting on that mountainside and we, and we watch Him and we know about and He, and he taught them Heaven's infallible truth concerning life. He described the inward spiritual characteristics of the citizens of His kingdom and the inevitable influence that they would have on the people. He uh, set before them illustrations of the superlative conduct of His true followers. He described their motives and their fruitfulness and the stability of their lives as he sat on that mount he delivered the sermon on the mount and he talked about all the different things the word of God which is living and active and sharper than any two edged sword imagine Jesus he is the word of God sitting on that mountain talking to the people one-on-one personally. He he took on the flesh of man and and, uh, of mankind, human flesh, and he's there among them. Maybe he was tired from a long journey to get to that place. Maybe he was exhausted from uh, uh, performing miracles and doing all kinds of stuff and and, and, and dealing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were always trying to trip him up. But yet, he was able to just sit there and relax and to preach the Word of God. And he himself was the living and active Word of God. What an incredible memory. We can remember our Lord asleep. or We can remember Jesus asleep as he dealt with the sinners. In John chapter four, verses one through twenty-six, it talks about the Samaritan woman at, at the well. And in, in this chapter, uh, we have record of how our Lord he crossed over racial and religious barriers in order to minister to an outcast woman who had no doubt was uh, was crushed in her even in her own eyes that and and, and was ridden with guilt and shame and who was considered as nothing in the eyes of those who knew her. Jews normally would travel the longer route, crossing over to the east side of the Jordan to display their antagonism against the Samaritans. They didn't have to go that route, but they would do it on purpose just just so they could antagonize the Samaritans whom they despised. But not Jesus He intentionally chose that route, the route that would bring salvation to this woman and to a community of Samaritans. Our Lord was concerned for this sinful woman. He communicated with her the truth of God, God's great love. He transformed her from being a fallen woman into being a servant of God. I can imagine I and just picture this woman after her encounter with the Lord Jesus and and she is forgiven of her sins and and she goes back to this community and I, and I can imagine the people uh thinking about her is this the same woman that we knew who was a loose woman and and uh, had had five other marriages and and uh, a woman that was not of good moral standard and and so and and i can imagine as the days and the weeks and the years went by as they saw this woman transform before their very eyes into a woman of great character and imagine i want what she has as we picture this this is how we can remember jesus We can remember our Lord asleep in the ship in the midst of a storm. In Matthew chapter 14 verses 22 through 32. There are times when each of us feel threatened with the circumstances about us, don't we? There are times when it seems that the ship of our life will be destroyed on the rocks of adversity and and failures and pain and suffering. And when this happens, we should remember the Christ who was able to command the winds to cease their blowing and the waves to cease their tossing. He will come to us in the midst of the storms, the storm of life, to give us safety and poise and inner peace. To me, that's one of the neatest pictures in my mind. And, it, of course, it helps to have movies like Jesus of Nazareth or other movies where they portray, uh, through a dramatization, you're able to imagine this happening. And, and, and here they are in that sea. And I don't know much about Sea of Galilee, but I've heard that they can have some pretty intense quells. Uh, I think I said that right. Quells uh, storms. And they have some pretty intense storms. And, and of course, they didn't have these huge ships like we have today that are able to weather the storms and the waves and all that's going on. But they had these little bitty fishing vessels. And there they were, and, and the water's coming over the side. And, and it's, I mean, it's, you know, lightning striking all around. And there Jesus is. It's almost humorous. He's sleeping. And his disciples are like, Are you kidding me? come on, Jesus, (laughs) a little help here, please. And he just wakes up, okay, stop. And just comes, the the waves stop. And the lightning stops and and the clouds disappear and the sun starts shining immediately. Who is this Jesus that he can calm the storms And I find it interesting that as we read these stories in the Bible, so oftentimes we think of them as nice little clever little stories, but these were things that actually happened, people. This happened. Jesus did this. But I think that Jesus did these things, allowed these things to happen, because they taught us much more than just a story. And we look at that story and we see and we can remember and know that when we're going through the storms of life, we can remember that story where Jesus calmed the storm, that if He can do that, He can calm the storms in my life. But do we believe it? Do we believe that Jesus can do that? If your answer is yes, then live like you believe it. We can remember... Our Lord is the Good Shepherd. In John chapter 10, our Lord described Himself as the Good Shepherd. In the past two months, we've been going through the book of Psalms, and particularly I've been going through Psalm 23, where it talks about Jesus as the Good Shepherd. And in chapter 10, Jesus refers to Himself as the Good Shepherd. He loves and leads and provides for his sheep. He protects them and calls them by name. Now, this is something that I've never been good at. And uh, and as a chaplain and as a minister of the gospel of peace, you know, I'm almost ashamed. I'm terrible with names. I have not learned the art of remembering names. I'll remember faces. I'll remember events. I'll remember things about that person, but I don't remember the names very well. I'm ashamed to say. But what is a neat image is to think and know that Jesus calls us by name. He knows us by name. He has the very hairs of our head counted. He knows every little intimate detail of our lives. And when I imagine going to heaven, and just imagine for a moment, you're there in heaven. You've walked in. You just got there. And you hear your name called out. Susan. Rachel. Silas. Jerry. Rochelle. Renata. Whatever your name is, he calls out your name. And he says, come into my kingdom. Well done. Good and faithful servant. And I imagine him coming up to us and just, you know, just uh, that first day in heaven and just he's focused on you and just spending time with you. And ever imagine, you know, where time just sort of stops and, and you just lose all track of time because it's such an incredible moment. Maybe you've had those moments and you just wish it wouldn't stop. That's what it would be like. He calls us by name. He gives the eternal life and the security that can come only from the safety of dwelling in His presence. This memory of our precious Lord can give us comfort and courage in our times of need. We can remember Jesus in the presence of death the shortest verse in the Bible is John chapter 11, verse 35. It preserves for us a photograph of the grief of the Son of God in the presence of those who were suffering because of the death of a loved one, Lazarus. This verse contains only two words, and yet there is a volume of truth in those two words Jesus wept. Because it speaks of the humanity of Christ. It speaks of the love and the compassion that God has upon all of His people, each and every one, every individual. He has called us by name and He has compassion for us. And and that He was able to come down and become a man and experience all that we have experienced. And right there in that moment, He experienced the sorrow and the pain and the suffering of losing someone you love. And remember Jesus in this way. What a powerful image of Christ. Finally, we should remember Christ on the cross, which is what this time is all about, the Lord's Supper, is remembering Him on the cross. Of all the memories our Lord desired that his disciples retain, the one that he specifically requested that they remember was that of his death on the cross. He instituted what we know as the Lord's Supper in order that his memory might be continually perpetuated throughout time until he comes again. He took the elements that remained from the Passover supper and he gave to them a new content and a new significance to the Passover. He did this in order that the minds and the hearts of His disciples might be reminded again and again and again of the primary purpose for His coming into the world. He came to die for the sins of a wayward, lost, helpless human race. He wanted this memory preserved. Because this memory, above all others, more than any other, reveals the greatness of the compassionate heart of the Father God. I found it interesting. One one time I was watching a documentary on World War II veterans, particularly World War II veterans who had uh, fought on the beaches of Normandy. And, And as they recounted those those minutes, those hours uh, that, that happened on that beach on that fateful day when thousands of our troops died there on that beach to free uh, uh, Europe of the tyranny of, of the Hitler regime. And as they recounted those stories it was amazing how etched into their mind like a snapshot like a Uh, a Polaroid picture, it was etched into their minds every little minute detail of what happened on that beach. And I'm sure there are some of you that are here in this room that have been in combat and you can testify to that. It's almost as if they would talk about it that day as if, you know, sometimes where it was like time just stopped. And they would take in every little detail. And they could remember smells, sounds, minute details about someone's demeanor or something that they said that just might have been just sort of off the wall, some saying, and they remember it. And we're talking decades ago, and they would remember it. And I believe that that's what Jesus had in mind for his disciples and for His followers on that day of the crucifixion, He wanted them to remember that day. He wanted it to be imprinted upon their brains. And as they uh, uh, did the Lord's Supper, every time they met together to do this, they would remember that day. They would remember Jesus as He hung on that cross and He was gasping for every breath and, and, and it took great energy to try to get just one breath. And with that one breath, he would use it to say things like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he wanted them to remember that picture of who he was, what he was there for, and the salvation that he brung, had brought to them on that day. Christ, the sinless, stainless, spotless Son of God, was dying on the cross to reveal the greatness of God's love for sinners. Evidently, we need to be reminded of this over and over or our Lord would not have specifically made plans to perpetuate this memory through the Lord's Supper. It is important that we be reminded of this. And as the worship team and the ushers, prepare for the Lord's Supper right now. I want the rest of you to, to take this time to prepare your own hearts for the Lord's Supper. Keep every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I want you to think about how you will remember Jesus. I don't want you thinking about the restaurant you're going to eat at after you leave here. Okay. I don't want you thinking about... Uh, you know, uh, you know, just what you're going to be doing for the rest of the afternoon. But right now, I want you to be focused on how you remember Jesus. Be still and know that He is God. It is the memory of Christ's death on the cross that reveals to us in this most dramatic manner the, worthy, the worth of the individual human soul in the eyes of God. This great truth should be should not be neglected nor should it be rejected and as you and maybe you're having a hard time thinking well how do I remember Jesus or what should I be reflecting upon well this was something I suggested a, a long time ago one time when I was doing a communion service and, and you can try this but as you're thinking about as we're, uh the elements are being passed out and as we're worshiping and this is a time of worship it's an aspect of worship. As we continue to worship God through the Lord's Supper, I want you to just to be thinking about, first of all, what your life was, what it was like before you encountered the person in the work of Jesus Christ.